back then was like going out was just you know being boyfriend girlfriend yeah but right. i thought i literally had to take her out somewhere and i was like my, my mom isn't gonna let me go out like what the hell That's fair enough so i never asked her out and then oh you know you know what it was it was uh, <laughs> i'll bleep her name out fifth beep. it was uh Oh, shit. oh wow! I, don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What? <laughs> no way!" I was like, oh, "I've said too much." I, I only expected Andy to know. She's who my was. cousin. <laughs> oh man, who stuff? My stuff? No, no, no. <laughs> so yeah, mm. and then and then she ended up dating some other guy, and they were like going out. And then I think I asked him because I was cool with that guy. I was like, hey, so where have you guys gone out to? <laughs> He's like, <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> we went to lunch together. <laughs> I was yeah, there we, too. Had, we had a lunch date. <laughs> we sat together in, in, in class. It was great. Basically. That's when I realized. <laughs> I was like, that's not what it means. I mean, it doesn't literally mean It's funny because we're, we're going to talk about definitions. We're going to talk about success. We're going to talk about intimidation. We're going to talk about a lot of things that because these past three four weeks we've been talking a lot about dr Brene brown and her study behind uh the acronym braving and being vulnerable uh the anatomy of trust and so it's funny that we kind of transition transition to this and i don't even know how we got into it right now but <laughs> oh because oh, I, brought, I brought i brought up, up i brought up how yeah. fifth graders are now dating now i think i think the only distinction is that they're saying like, "Oh, we're going out on a date. You are my boyfriend. You are my girlfriend." In fifth grade, and I wonder what listeners will think of that and in their situation because we're you guys gave some and like, but even Gonzo, you said that you said it was more sixth grade though, that you felt like like it getting dropped off at the movies and like the whole. Yeah. Thing. I feel like we did that. For me personally, I never did <coughs> that until I think seventh or and seventh and eighth grade. Like those were my transition years that I started being let go. Uh, which was interesting. But I think mine was eighth grade. Actually, no, it was like seventh grade. No. For sure, it was junior high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Junior high in general, I think, because I know I th- okay. I feel like, I feel like sixth grade was like okay, some fr- like starting to develop like your bigger little your bigger little clique. <laughs> but then seventh and eighth grade, you kind of start settling down. You kind of start finding where where you're where you're gonna go. Not uh, me, <laughs> except for Gonzo. Uh, super interesting. Yeah, and the only reason, how do, I forgot, oh, I guess just about uh, that client that I have that she works with kids and she brought up, like, did you know that fifth graders are dating now? I was like, well, we're defying dating. What what is this to them? And she said, like, no, like, I guess parents are taking them out. I'm like, well, in all fairness, hopefully the parents will use this as guidance. I mean, because, frankly, the the sixth graders that I've been dealing with, it's a whole different ballgame now in middle school. Like, and I I don't even want to talk about it on here because it's actually very vulgar. And it's something that we can talk about, but it's just, like, it kind of blew my mind, and it's not something I want to like spend too much time on. But anyhow, we I guess we can start now. I, I just started recording, but we have Gonzo here today. It's been a, it's been a minute since we have we've had him. So actually, this is episode forty-two. You were in episode five, Dang. titled "The Four of Us." Thirty-seven weeks ago, 37 my favorite ago. number. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have no favorite number. Do you really not? I don't. And they're, they're all my favorite like, numbers. No. <laughs> What's your favorite color? All of them. <laughs> well, I can't. I can't even pick a favorite color. Why? I I don't know. Like, <laughs> so, so you were gonna say like, I'm colorblind. <laughs> well, I am colorblind. Maybe that's why. <laughs> oh my god, my life. <laughs> all these years. All these years. <laughs> Twenty-five full years, going on twenty-six. <laughs> Jesus. Stop. 
I don't want to be 26. <laughs> Dude, two more weeks, bro. I didn't want to be 25. For you, I'm happy. I'm going to enjoy my last <laughs> month or so. <laughs> <laughs> Love that you should. That, that's that's what I that's what I would like to encourage. <laughs> I'm gonna buy you like baby aspirin here. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to start thinking about your health. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, uh, the plan originally was to have Eddie on here. Uh, he had a family, s- I would say, a family emergency, and he texted me. He's like, "Nah, dude, like it's all good." Um, hopefully everything gets settled and fixed. You know, hopefully they find a solution. Um, so then I had, last week I had initially said that I wanted to get into some business this week, or, or at least transition back. Like I had mentioned briefly was that we talked about, we talked through Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown's uh, research of, on vulnerability and trust for the past three or four weeks. And I felt it was time to let's, let to transition, you know, phases for at least for the next couple of weeks until I, until I find maybe something different or, or, or just dive back into business. I, I feel like the first, you know, 27 episodes or so, it was to talk about everything. Then we transitioned. Then we talked about vulnerability and trust. And I feel like it was appropriate time to come back to business. However, because of the situation, I was like, man, I, I, I was going to go into extreme ownership and one of the chapters in Jocko Willink's and Leif Babin's book. But because of change, I was like, man, what am I going to talk about? So then I just... I started look, watching some videos. I started. Uh, I'm still on this book. It's called "The Secrets Man Keep" by Stephen Arterburn. Uh, he's the author of "Every Man's Battle." Um, again, "The Secrets Men Keep: How Men Make Life and Love Tougher Than It Needs Than It Has to Be." Um, the chapter I'm gonna essentially review because we're not we're not gonna do the whole book. We're just gonna review it. But the chapter that we're gonna do, I feel like, will be a good. Or maybe a better transition to t- to get into like a full on business next week. Um, I was watching some Warren Buffett earlier today and reading some Warren Buffett earlier, and I was like, man, like I feel like I could do that, but I feel like, at least in my state of mind, I feel like it would be too abrupt. Where we in this chapter that I, that I'm going to bring up, it's a good segue we can take for this hour that we have, and talk about it. And then when I was reading it, I was like, oh, Gonzo would fit nice with this with this chapter. I think we could. I think we can have. I think we have something here. So I invited Gonzo. He said yes, and we're here, and we can jump into the book titled "The Secrets Men Keep," chapter nineteen. And funny enough is that I got this book at a thrift store back in, I guess maybe May or whenever. Me and Brian, do you remember? I, I'm probably not. That long ago. Yeah, whenever me and you had gone on our few weeks of, because I wasn't with you when I bought this book. But it was around that time that around I was like, like I would text you like, hey, let's go, or me and Luis, hey, Luis, let's go, let's go to a few thrift stores, see what we can find, and whatever. And I, f- I found this one actually on the express w- off the expressway in uh, I guess Alamo. There's a, there's one off the expressway off 83, and I paid 49 cents for it. And I was like, one day I read this book, because again, it's it says the secrets men keep. I'm like, what secrets? I mean, I'm trying to be, you know. Even then, I feel like, uh, like I was like, well, I'm trying to be truthful, and we had already started the podcast. I was like, we're talking, we're already trying to like you know navigate a little better. Anyhow, I finally came to a point where it's like, okay, I read business, I read accounting, I read economics, I read sales, I read war. I was like, well, let's let's jump into this because it's a totally different uh, thing. But because of the vulnerability talks we've had, it's like, okay, this this is a appropriate book. Anyways, chapter nineteen is titled "Success: The Intimidation Factor," and let me read the introduction, and then we'll get into it. 
When Tim was single, he met a woman he was really attracted to. Lots of girls had been attracted to him, but this girl was the first one that grabbed a piece of his heart and wouldn't let go. She was tall, beautiful, successful, and from a wealthy family. As soon as Tim got to know her and discovered the background of success and achievement she came from, he began to pull away. Whenever he was around her family, he felt intimidated by them all. He clearly was a fish out of the water, or at least that's how he felt. He loved everything about this girl as a person. What he didn't love was the way he felt when he contemplated never being able to live up to the expectations he knew she must have. Even the cushion of financial comfort, her okay. Even the cushion of even the cushion of financial comfort her resources might bring to their marriage didn't help. He withdrew from the relationship on the basis of an invisible perception that he could never compete with this woman and her success. So when Tim met a woman who was from a lower middle class background without particularly high expectations for herself or who she married, he latched onto her. She worshipped him, which he loved, and they married. Unfortunately, her perspective on life went from grateful to entitled. She saw in Tim the opportunity to enjoy a larger piece of the pie than she had been used to and insisted that he provide more and more. It turned into an unhappy marriage. Tim realized that he would have been much better off marrying the well-to-do woman he had been crazy about. He lay, at n he lay awake at night wondering why he had been afraid to walk through the, that open door. That's super interesting. <coughs> Explain or go on. What do you, what do you mean? Because like recently, I've had I've kind of had like similar thoughts. On, well, not similar. Similar in in the situation of like, <coughs> would I would I be willing to pursue someone who is more you know who makes more money than me, successful you know, more like a independent you know no nonsense type of woman mm -hmm. or would i would i constantly look for someone who is you know like like the book described this other lady <coughs> and i think i'm the opposite i think i would be okay with pursuing someone like that because you know what they say about uh kind of like hanging out with certain people you you become kind of like like them or you know no. they help well they help influence you yeah. also so if you're going to spend that much time with somebody you know this significant other like why not be somebody who can drive you and influence you to do more be better more successful than what you are now yeah uh Gons, <coughs> i want to hear your take because we've talked about this just recently and very general terms but i, I want to hear your take because it's dichotomy to what brian just said totally intimidated <laughs> <laughs> i mean I and don't I get me wrong i would be too but i think in in the long run in the bigger picture it would be okay you know well, I think like um, let's say four or five five months ago, I was working uh, basically a minimum wage job, and since then I kind of moved up a little bit and you know did a little educating and stuff, and I got a better job where I work a lot more hours, and you know it's just more like more income, you know, and with that comes a whole bunch of responsibilities, and now. Like, if someone makes more than me right now, and, you know, I'd be super intimidated. 
And like I said, it. I mean, I would be too. That's understandable. It's just I feel that in the bigger picture, like, it would be a good thing, you know? Yeah. Some, someone, someone who influences you in that way. And, and not that necessarily, like, make someone making more money is going to push you in the right direction. But for in, in my thought process, that was the case. Like, when I envisioned that person, the, the more income was just kind of like a an extra thing it's to me when i envisioned this this person the, that i was going for that i i was debating if i'd pursue it was because they were <coughs> probably more driven than i am mm-hmm. and more you know le- leading them to more success and which then you know comes with with ba- bigger income yeah. um so yeah i i'd be totally intimidated but i think that if i could get to the that point of being comfortable enough to to pursue her knowing kind of our our situations then it it would ultimately lead ultimately lead to a just a good outcome for for both of us i guess i think <coughs> myself like i would see like the intimidation like you would see it as like a positive type like positive reinforcement i guess mm-hmm. i would see it as like a like cuz i'm i'm real negative like that like oh what am i not doing like i need to like you know like negatively thinking like i need to step up my game mm-hmm. and stuff yeah and that that's the only and like i said when i when i got into this chapter i was like okay like I, cause essentially in the macro, me and Brian have a very similar take on this where it's like, man, like, and <laughs> even Gonzo told me the, the other day, he's like, he's like, you need to stop talking to girls that are, that are mo- as motivated as you or <laughs> whatever, something to that effect. And I was like, that's interesting. I, cause I, I honestly, honestly, honestly never thought about it like that. And when Gonzo brought your perspective, I was like, oh, that, that kind of makes sense. I'm like, okay, I, 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 I agree yeah. because I never thought about it. And that's, a new, that was a new thing. And then, you know, because we've talked, we, what we talked about, me and Gonzo, was like the fact of just being a breadwinner and that, that, cl- that traditional role of male and female. Again, going back to tr- tradition. Not, and then it's interesting because we're going to get into like some, a little, like I said, this chapter is not that long, but there's some good meat as far as like coping and maneuvering. But again, like I, I did want to, it's a perfect dichotomy between like the perception of Brian versus the perception of Gonzo. And, and what I always take, take it back to, and this is why I talked about this with a bunch of people, was like, what's your background? What, what, what were you used to when you grew up? Gonzo, your dad was a breadwinner. Yeah. Your dad, and you said he took care of everything and any, just to make everything, you know, make everything at least be smooth, as smooth as possible, as smooth yeah. as you can make it. So, uh, and that, you know, th- it's interesting in that perspective. You know, and that's why that's what I'm saying, and that's why like I think Brian also want means also is that there's no wrong answer, mm-hmm. and that's why that's where I say it's like there's no wrong answer because we're we're raised differently, and we've had that conversation you know here and there throughout the, throughout the podcast episodes every single one, where it's like one thing that I am re- that I'm realizing as a macro is like the connection of each other us let's say us three in the room but then we tell back to our parents and then they tell back that far and then and that just branches out to a bunch of things. That even uh, even Jordan Peterson brings up on some of the videos that I've seen of him, he talks about like you know people don't realize that the connection like for example the connection that I have with Brian then affects Brian's connection with Gonzo, my connection with Gonzo then affects his connection with with Brian, and all these all these interconnection all this webbing that people don't realize that I'm like it makes a difference, and and it it will get into as far as like here. uh, there's even a part where, like, you know, when, when a female tells you something versus when a, when a guy tells you something, you're, we're, you're way more accepting of when the guy says, ah, oh, dude, we should just do this, whether, whether, or compared to when a girl says, oh, we should do this, 
well, why don't you just let me do what I what I think is yeah. right? <laughs> we're gonna, and I'm gonna reiterate, but we're, we are gonna get into that. So let's 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 continue. So the first little sub uh, title of the of the chapter is what we know about men and successful women. So here, just to give some context, uh, Maureen Dowd uh, of the New York Times. This is back in 2002. I, as far as like this little segment, um, she wrote a. Uh, a column called the baby bust and this was basically uh her in her point of view on a publication by sylvia and hewlett hewlett and this is back to the book hewlett surveyed women and found that 55 percent of 35 year old career women are childless between one third and one half of 40 year old professional women have no children the number of childless women aged 40 to 44 has doubled in the past 20 years and among all corporate executive executives earning $100,000 or more, 49% of women are childless, compared to only 10% of men. Dowd quotes Hewlett's conclusion. Nowadays, the rule of thumb seems to be that the more successful the woman, the le- less likely it is she will find a husband or bear child. For men, it's the, rever- the reverse is true. Which, which that, that still like supports Gonzo's like, upbringing, the breadwinner. Bigger families, more money to spend. You know, usually, usually, uh, okay, this is very generalization uh, and opinion, but you know, for the males who are breadwinners, of we're talking a hundred thousand dollars or more, you know, usually they're just housewives, or I say just with you know, a, uh, objective meaning, uh, you know, housewives. They take their kids to school. They have after school programs. They're part in the PTA, PTO, whatever the heck, you know, <laughs> programs for their kids. Zumba. Zoom, Zumba during the midday. They have yoga midday too. Uh, stuff like that. I mimosas. Mimosas brunch on Sundays with their girlfriends, whatever. <laughs> so, and, well, funny enough, actually, I have two clients that I'm I'm pretty sure they fall into that category <laughs> because I see them. They they both own Mercedes Benz. They both arrive at the same time. They both talk like, oh my god, and whatever, and like, oh shoot, like I think they fall into that category. <laughs> it's just it's interesting seeing in real life when I comp- versus when I read it. Uh, getting back to the book here. Ms. Dowd, mid-50s and single, is not known as a friend of men. She started her column by noting how a man she ran into at a Broadway play took her aside to talk. He said he wanted to invite her out but had been afraid to because her job made her too intimidating. Quote, men, told he, nah, men, he told me, prefer women who seem malleable and overawed. He said I would never find a mate because if there's one thing men fear, it's a woman who uses her critical faculties. And before we get into the next point, when I read that part, you know, women who use critical faculties, like that's where me and Brian kind of fall in. It's like, well, actually, I want someone that uses their brain, <laughs> you know. Like, but, it, man, I think also one thing that we can maybe ponder on is the fact that, like, generally this is a new pers- point of view to take into consideration versus thinking like, oh, man. Because one thing that I've been getting at, Oh, like, this is over the past year at the gym, but like whenever I tell them something different or something new of how to do a certain workout or exercise, like oh man, I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I'm like, well, you just have new information, and really, that it's a it's a perspective thing. It's like well, maybe it was wrong, maybe it could have led to injury, but now they have new information to then prevent the injury. So the list. So here's a part summarizing the points at her in her column. Here are Dowd's conclusions. Men apparently learn early to protect their eggshell egos from high-achieving women. The more women accomplish, the more they have to sacrifice. 
Men veer away from challenging women because they have an atavistic desire to be the superior force in a relationship. If men would only give up their silly desire for world dominance, the world would be a much finer place. Those are four points that that were drawn as far as conclusions. Um, the only one that hit me, I guess just because it ties in with like extreme ownership so is the first one. Men apparently learn early to protect their e- eggshell egos from high-achieving women. And that one's interesting to me just because I was never, like with those four points, I was never faced with that stuff. Mm. And if I, if, I, if I had to tell it back to my upbringing, maybe the fact that like my mom raised me for my first 15 years, just because my dad was in and out, just because of his line of work. It's not that he wasn't here or separated or divorced or anything like that. It's just the fact that it's just his line of work that, you know, for the first 15 years, there was a lot more, uh, there was less deviation from like one parent and then going through both. Any of them hit you? Hit you guys? I'll read them. I'll reread them. Men apparently learn early to protect their eggshell egos from high-achieving women. Number two is the more women accomplish, the more they have to sacrifice. Uh, Side note, I don't understand that. Uh, Number three, men veer away from challenging women because they have an uh, atavistic desire. I don't know what that means either. Atavistic desire to be the superior force in a relationship. If men would only give up their silly desire for world dominance, the world would be a much finer place. You guys ever wanted to dominate the world? Not the world. What is it? Go. Atavistic is uh, relating or characterized by reversion to something ancient or ancestral. La madre. Mm. That's that's quite a word to put in there. To to associate with desire. It's pretty much just like uh, going back to the caveman days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And read that bullet again. So men veer away from, quote, quote unquote challenging women because they have an atavistic desire to be s- the superior force in a relationship. So going back to the caveman days, yeah. men ruled and you know men were out yeah. to get the food and whatnot. Interesting. Thank and you, Gonzo. Damn it, dude. That's good. Thank and you. it's weird because that that's the thing that popped up when uh, what was it? Uh you're talking about uh how women successful women, their likelihood of having children is less. Yeah. And that kind of put me like I thought right uh, like out of the gate like caveman days you know like um if a woman wants to be successful and success in the caveman days was like what who had the most meat who had this who had that yeah if a woman's trying to be successful she's not paying attention on having kids and stuff mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah, yeah. No, that, that's and that, that's weird that like insight. that's what that meant <laughs> and that popped into my head i'm, so I'm glad I'm just you like, thought, see, see that wouldn't have happened if you weren't here damn it yeah, that's go. that's good. Yeah, that's oh man. And I was wondering, like, what are you doing? I was pulling Joey D. I'm like, what are you doing on your phone? Cre- credit to <laughs> iPhone, dude. <laughs> credit to Google and iPhone and Siri. Oh jeez, I don't like Siri. <laughs> she lies sometimes. You got, She's you intimidating. Got <laughs> 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 that's a good one. You got anything, Brian? Atavistic or otherwise? Read read that bullet again. The atavistic men veer away from challenging women because they uh, have yeah. an atavistic desire to be the, the <coughs> superior force in a relationship. I kind of don't understand what challenging a woman has to do with like with with the man still being the the dominant one in the relationship. Cause like, sorry, no, I, no, no, I, I think I think it, it's because it uh, takes away from, I guess your um. 
how you're perceived. Like, if, let's say, like, if I married a girl who's, like, super, super successful, mm-hmm. like, my fear would be, like, oh, well, she's successful, so what does that mean you're doing? Does that make sense, kind of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. I think that that one, not that it, like, I think it, it, it's just that one and the, the world dominance one. Not not to the extent of world dominance, but I think it it really speaks about the um, I guess the, the generalization of men wanting to to be the one to wear the pants. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. That's super interesting. I, I, like I said, I, I just read this t- today, and it it just it's just super interesting on on a, on a not a fresh pr- perspective, but just added perspective to what to the honestly, and of course Brian's been here, so like this accumulation of information. But even even the talk, like the intentional talks that I've been having with Gonzo as well, and I told him the other day, I'm like, you know, I'm not looking to waste anybody's time, whether it's talking or otherwise, or taking action on a gig or whatever. It's like you know, having these productive conversations and leading to this, like man, you know, and even keep staying on this third point, you know, men veering away from challenging women. Uh, uh, Maybe because they've never had to challenge, like, because for me it's more like a like, like challenging challenging women's like state is it status or what what what, what no, can I was just gonna say like, it's not about challenging women. It's an adjective. It's describing the women. Yeah, that's where I was ah, confused. Okay, that's where I was. Okay, that's where I was. Okay, because I was like, man, challenge. Like, because I can't see like challenging yeah, women. That's exactly. Yeah, that's why I was like, thinking about it that <gasps> way. Like, no, no, no. But then with what you said and then rehearing it. So challenging so is, a, is what is I said makes more sense now. Yes. Yes. So like it made a little bit of sense, but I was like, no. I like, what does it mean? Not specifically with that wording, and then I changed the wording. Yeah, because people won't see me, but I'm doing challenging women. So that's that means challenging is doing describing the, the type of woman. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Got the fingers going. <laughs> got there the. Quotes. There you go. Uh, what I got out of this, which is like this whole second piece, because you know it says Ms. Dow, mid fifties and single, not known as a friend of man of men what i thought about I was like man if she's so harsh like first thing i think of is relationships like she's so i mean i guess okay based on the context it seems she's arrogant like she's like she she's single she's 55 she has this she has this like very narrow and acute point of view on like men and based on, and this is also based on her experience, like you know, like the guy that from Broadway that you know, she he never she never asked, he never asked her out because he felt intimidated because of her jocks. Like man, what I thought about, which is kind of like a side tangent that we can go on, is like constructive criticism versus just pure negative criticism. And that's cause that's what I thought about. Like man, like I would love to meet Mrs. Dowd because I'd want to have a conversation conversation with her, because I'd want to hear I I she'd probably give me all her stuff and she'd just blow it on me and. Tell me all her context and all her information. And then I wouldn't even argue with her. I would just be very curious to have a conversation with her and what she would think. With me being that I'd be like at this point half her age and having a, having a, a different conversation than maybe the experience she has had in the past with her. Uh, what I did want to ask or I guess get into as far as dealing with criticism was how do you guys react, cope, and deal with criticism and do you feel like you guys react the same, whether it's constructive or negative, or c- you're, are you able to distinguish both? 
Initially, my reaction is the same. It's like that's bull crap. I know what I'm doing. Initially, like just yeah, yeah. hearing hearing like criticism for me right off the bat, I'm like, no, 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 that's wrong. And then I and then Do you feel the same with your bo- with your bosses. <coughs> yeah, okay. it, but like I said, initially yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like no, no, and then and then I kind of like let it sit in my head and kind of replay everything and and <coughs> excuse me and like replay my my actions. Yeah. Um that are being critiqued, I guess. And and then I just sort of apply it, hypothetically apply it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that could have been better this way. Or, you know, I start I start to make sense of it. But initially, yeah. And then right when I thought about that, I went back to that, you know, hiding your eggshell ego. It's <laughs> like, yeah, that it strikes a chord, but, you know, I've, I've learned to kind of let go of that at, at least, you know, after a few seconds. Yeah, and... Yeah, I go. You have something gone yet? No. As far as I coping, mean, like dealing with constructive criticism, criticism like in general, and just <coughs> being able to distinguish constructive from just pure negativity, and or separating the both. Most of the time, no matter what it is, I'll be like, at the time, I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Like you know, <laughs> it's like I'll, I'm kind of stubborn, yeah. and then later on, I'll be like, fuck, you're right. Yeah, it's it's interesting how it, and we can we can tell off in this just a second. It it's. It's fast. It's really, 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 really fascinating to me how the ego works, and I, I've made it a task to make it conscious. Uh, thought process behind ego, because it happens to me every single day. And I actually had this conversation with Eddie yesterday, and I explained to him my situation on ego, and I and I and I hopefully like he got something out of it to then use for himself and you know grow on that. Because I tell him I'm like, dude. It, it's not a it's not a it's not a periodic thing. At least for me it's not. It's a everyday fight with the ego. Every single decision cuz I cuz I it's for me by now I'm kind of like in, in the Brian state where it's like okay, the first initial few seconds like now or 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 my ego says something opposing to whatever ha- whatever is happening. And and the cool thing is I can tie it to some science now cuz I cuz because of Jordan Peterson and Simon Sinek and these guys talking about like the amygdala, the fight or flight state of your brain, and essentially that's the pre- that's the beginning of what happens every time you get introduced to something new or something you're uncomfortable with. That, that's your ego, which is like I said, the scientific part of it is the amygdala, the fight or flight state. Um, I I feel like I've been able to control it now because my my mouth stays shut, usually way longer than even the people opposing me like to like like it. Cause I can I'll just stay quiet and they'll. they'll it's uh, me and Gonzo were talking just earlier, like, you know, uh, as far as being the one to leave somebody wondering versus being the one left wondering. And like, I, I can play that. I'll play that game. And, uh, and, and I call it a game because it's like, I, I don't want it to stress me out. I think it's more of like a terminology thing, mm-hmm. which we can talk about, like, as far as changing terminology, you know? Uh, uh, but anyways, um, that's what I think of. Or thought of initially with criticism is like ego. It's like I fight that shit every single day. Whether it's even with clients, and they're, they're some of the clients are the best people, but for whatever reason, there's something in my in my head that triggers, and it's like, ah, oh, damn it, or all this, or all that, or I'm here, and it's like, damn it, I didn't do this, or I didn't do that, and it's like it just tempts my ego. It's like, okay, gotta stop. But uh, we can continue. <clears throat> Moving on in this piece. This this part I thought I found very very uh, interesting because of the timing. 
Women must be feeling this discomfort. A survey of 234 women in upper management positions found that 80% believe that men are uncomfortable working with them. They also said not enough money is invested in corporate training to prepare men for the reality of women entering upper level executive positions. Initial thoughts? Because I have I had initial thought when I first read this. I don't know. I don't I don't see myself as like that type of man. To right. Like not being able to cope with <laughs> and and I don't know I don't know if this makes a difference, but you know, one of my former bosses was it was a female, not mm-hmm. direct supervisor, but you know, above him. Um, so our CFO, mm-hmm. she, yeah. she's, she's a female. So I think, I don't know if that had any effect, but now like, you know, I don't, I don't think I'd have a problem with another female in like an executive position right. above me or, you know, right. The first thing. Okay. The, the, this, okay. This is, here's an ego moment that I'll tell you about is when I, when I read the sentence, they also said not enough money is invested in corporate training to prepare men for the reality of women entering upper-level executive positions. It's like, what does that mean? Because, like, the reality. Now, I think that could be better said. Because for me, it's just like, if you earn the position, then you earn the position, and then we move forward and we work together. You know, like, and I don't I don't know. That one ticked my ego. Because I was like, whoever, I mean, whoever wrote this piece, it, maybe it was the author, That'd be like the reality of women. It's like, I maybe, okay, maybe also because I tie in reality with the here and now. Very stoic in that sense. And it's like, the reality of women is like, yeah. And and what I will argue as far as that, like, against, against some men is like, you need reality to have an uh, executive female boss or coworker. It's like, I think there's deeper issues there that need to be handled. What year did this book come out in? It was more recent than not, for sure, post-2002. I'll tell you right now. Give me a second. 2006. Was okay, that's still like 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. The Delta party is way faster. I think... As far as change. Go ahead. Like, I think recently in the like past five years, women have become, you know... Uh, I don't want to say dominant, but they've become more... Uh, what's the word? Kind of made a leap. Yeah. And I guess we saw it happen gradually. Mm-hmm. Like even though it's five, like I'd say yeah, five years. Yeah, because for us, the last five years have been, I guess, pretty significant part yeah, of our I've lives. Yeah, we've been our this whole stage of our life yeah. is learning. Right. So that change was happening while we're just learning in general. And back then, it was probably like, oh well, blah blah blah. Women, right. Like, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. That, 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 thank you. Yeah, some that's some yeah. top that's executives, you know, had. For for executives like in their fifties, maybe early sixties, the last five years have been nothing in their entire yeah. like career. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that's good. Like right now, that that five years is twenty percent of our life. So yeah, and and that's what I was thinking as I was I was telling you about like how I don't have a problem working. That's with what I'm saying. Like, like what the hell? Like I think <laughs> like I think the older men in the industries in different industries about that. do have. Because I, I think I've... Because he has female bosses. I sort of wit- not not like first-hand witnessed it, but I could kind of get that sense yeah. of the other male executives at my job with with uh, our CFO at the time. Yeah. Like, it almost felt like she wasn't given the same place. And I, I really didn't know how to take it. Because like, I've, I've told you about mm-hmm. her. I thought she was an awesome person. Really knew her stuff. Yeah. She used to work for a big four 
you know, accounting firm. And so she, you know, you know she can do the job. Right, yeah. But I still feel like she never got, like, the place at the table. They never, yeah, they never gave her the seat, <coughs> which is pretty shitty. Yeah. But. But I, I think that's what that book means about, yeah. you know. That's fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked about the year because I, 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 I thought about it. And for me, like I said, that was an ego moment for me. I was like, guys, really? Like, like what the, f- like, I I don't know. It's, it's not even like, oh, it's the world we live in. It's like, no, like, I, I guess because I was also okay with the situ- with the fact that, okay, there's female bosses out there. And they're great. As long as they're great and they're good at what they do and they like yeah. what they do, it's all good. And I'm I'm okay with it. I just, I, I know that it's, you know, it. I I hate to kind of go back and use that same word, but it's kind of the reality of things right, that like these older right. you know, gentlemen yeah, yeah. are having a hard time with it. You got some Gonzo? No, he he kind of hit what I was okay. gonna say because my first thought was like, why would there, you know, who would be having a problem if a person's at their position and they're doing everything right? Yeah. Why would somebody have a problem with it? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I, that's a general uh, agreement then or consensus. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, continue on the book. All right, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Continue on the book. Four British universities pooled resources in a 30-year study to measure the impact of intelligence on success. They began by measuring the IQ of 911-year-olds and examining them again at age 40. The brightest women were less likely to find a man who wanted to marry them. For each 16-point rise in their IQ their chances of getting married decreased by 40%. By contrast, for each 16-point rise in the boys' IQ, their chances of marriage increased by 35%. Take that in. Caveman days. Yeah, to me, this is all just like, it, it falls in line with the generalization that men are intimidated by successful women. And, you know, and, and I mean, and like I said, like, you know, when you said you'd be intimidated, yeah, I would be too. But I I'd be open to it, you know. I'd I'd kind of be willing. I think that another generalization is that these women like maybe won't even give you the light of day if you don't make a certain amount of money or this or that. So that's also a big barrier for me. Like if she's kind of a bitch, you know. And we'll get into that in just a second. Superficially, yeah. like right off the bat, won't even look at you. Won't you know? Then that makes it even worse. Like. I'm even more intimidated, but I think if we could get past that, I'd be okay with pursuing something with that person. All right. So the next piece is called What Successful Women Mean to Men. And before we get into that, because we're going we're gonna to get into definition, or at least the definition on the book of success. Uh, a few weeks ago, me and Brian and Eddie talked about our definitions of success. Brian, I think you had mentioned that the, by the age of 28, you wanted to have like maybe two business, I think two business was that what you said? Couple. Two, like at, at least, a, at least couple. a couple. You said a couple. Yeah, you, you left the journey. You said at least a couple of you know businesses up and running and you know some good navigation, which gives you what two and a half years, or a solid two and a half years. Uh, yeah. And so, and I, honestly, I don't even think I gave mine. I think I just give. I think I got yours and I got Eddie's and I continue with the conversation. Either way, I want to jump into before we get into the back to the book. Gonzo, age twenty eight. What would you like to have accomplished? What would, what would be an, a successful milestone at the age of 28? Because when you, when you were back here in episode five, I, ble- I think I'm pretty sure we touched success and how, you know, being financially free 
and you know trying to achieve and i think now you're getting close to that because you got the new job you got some edu- education mm-hmm. you know you're 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 you navigated you maneuvered you you found something that you and you like it you like going out every single day and trying to help out people and i think that's part of the biggest factor is the fact that you're helping i think that's the biggest like thing for you um but age 28 what would be an ideal milestone for you definition success i'm just gonna go with uh my line of work i have people who have been doing like this ems thing for 15 plus years i have a partner who's done it i think like i think he said almost 30 years he started when he was 17 um like basically just riding riding along with uh you know ambulances and stuff and he continued his education and worked his way up to, like, head, like, uh, basically the director of an EMS company. And uh, I think if by the time I'm 28, I'm at a point where I'm teaching people something, like, where somebody looks at me the way I look at my, like, well, he's pretty much my partner every time that he works, mm-hmm. you know, because he works with two different companies. If I'm at a point where somebody looks at me the way I see him, then that'd be a good a yeah. good measure a good little marker for you yeah that's awesome that's interesting so so just a quick side note imagine imagine that he's been doing it for 30 years you said yeah so imagine 30 years like how the health industry was 30 years ago totally different yeah. to what it is now yeah. very interesting because he probably could go for ride-alongs and just like tag along like hey can i i'm, I'm interested can i tag along yeah. or i'm going to school for this can i ride along with you and get yeah. some you know, i mean you could you could do that now still but i mean just like everything was just so um what it, like uh, I feel like there's just more uh, like liberties. You had you're a little more free to like do things. I feel like now you, there's waivers and like there's parties like things ba- little things you have to you have to cross little boundaries. Let's you have put to it this tape. way. Yeah, there you go. Ten years ago, from what I've heard, uh, an EMT during a 24-hour shift could drink two beers. Bang. And you used to be able to smoke in ambulances. I remember. Yeah. yeah that. Now there's signs everywhere that say no smoking. <laughs> and, like, Oxygen. No beer. You, you, Oxygen. Yeah. You can't like you can't smell like beer at all. Like you can't even spray too much cologne because, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, no. But, yeah. That yeah. makes total sense. I mean, it's, it's sense. just uh, times have changed. Yeah. yeah you know, everything was so barbaric back then. <laughs> caveman days. <laughs> yeah. 1970s. <laughs> and, you know, like now it's like right. everything's becoming... I guess more refined in a way. Yeah. So that yeah. just brought me back to like 50s and 60s when people would smoke in planes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that scene on Forrest Gump when the, when the doctor's smoking. Yeah. Yeah. Like I would have kind of loved to have lived back then because no, I'm not going to get into <laughs> that. But like, but like times are just so different. And if you had an opinion, you could – Go for it. Yeah. 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 Without worrying like, oh well this person over here is upset, this person over here is upset. Like I gotta keep everybody happy. Like Well interesting actually there's that's interesting because well, I guess it depends. I I guess if it's if it's interpersonal connection, like what we have here in the room, is it's different than like let's say starting a business now where you have a lot of you have a lot of freedom with with the internet. You can basically do whatever you want. So it's interesting that you feel like that you, f- that Gonzo, you feel like that because back then you feel like you were free, and you probably were because of because there was no social media, and it's interesting how the times have changed for business. Now you're able to now you know you're essentially free and you know there's a lot more freelancing now. Like even as musicians, there's freelancing now mm-hmm. versus back in the day. I mean, and that's just the dichotomy of time 
or the transitional time is like back then you were just going on a tour for three three months at a time or whatever whatever it was you just out on the bus with a bunch of guys yeah. versus now super interesting all right so back to the book let's, let's get into this what successful women mean to men it's helpful to start by defining success in general success is achievement reaching some kind of goal attaining some kind of status in the culture we live in success is often measured by dollars and cents the number of windows in one's office or other markers such as house car and other possessions are these the things that intimidate men probably yes in some cases and then he and then he goes uh, here Stephen goes into like the fact that like the example he uses is uh, when a woman creates uh, like a nonprofit and she's successful in that realm and for me it's like uh, I, it made sense but I was like okay I can I can we can move on from that because then he asks are these women just as successful and therefore just as intimidating as some men and again this is talking about like Oh, just from the book. So perhaps they started a nonprofit agency working with inner city families and refused to take a no from bankers, politicians, and social service people until they got the help they needed. And then that's where he goes into, you know, are the, are these men, are these women just as intimidating because they refuse to say no? You know, they're they're hard fighters. They fight for what they want. So maybe that would intimidate men. Uh, what do you guys feel about that now? Because for me, it's like fucking do it. Like I tell that to people every day. It's like if you find something now, and now's the easiest time. Even last night, I have a con- had a conversation here at home where I was like, "With the internet, like you're you're go do whatever, what literally whatever you want." Like lately, I just started like taking photographs, like leaving early in the morning before the sun comes up to try to get some good shots, and like you because you can do that. You know, I'm not trying to turn it into anything, but it's like the fact that you just wake up a little earlier and do something that you actually you know you want to do. You were gonna say something? No, it's just like when I when I hear uh, somebody say like, "Oh." women's rights and men's rights when i hear that i'm just like okay then that's it that's the end of the thing if you want equal rights then then there's equal rights yeah if you want to be successful then be successful yeah like there's no difference to me at least like there's no difference between a man and a woman yeah at this yeah at this point it's total equal (laughs) okay there's 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 a a couple differences (laughs) sorry but as far as <laughs> <laughs> as far as business and interpersonal communications, they're one and the same because we are all able. You can create an account. Okay, for the sake of the American bubble, we can get it, we can get into that for just a second. You know, if you're living in America, America, then you're pretty free to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's like, and and when I say a lot of stuff, I st- I still will argue like hundreds of things. You can do hundreds of different things. You know, potentially. And you can find whatever it is, you know, whether it's you want to make shirts and post on Etsy or design something and make something with your hands, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyways, continuing. I just want to read this part because I think it's going to transition to the next piece. Yeah. So one who displays the same two characteristics. Let's talk about women. So one who displays the same two characteristics as any other successful woman is confidence and competence. And then, it ta- and then the questions that Stephen puts, is this kind of woman intimidating to her husband? Is he intimidated by successful women? Oh, if he is intimidated by successful women, he is probably intimidated by her. And I- if he is intimidated, then his marriage is probably one of those about which his male friends whisper opinions concerning who actually wears the pants. Not because she is purposefully 
intimidating, but because he is needlessly intimidated. That part, as far as who wears the pants, what what that honestly takes me to. Go ahead. Um, uh, what that takes me to is, even, I don't know why, but it takes me back to middle school, and when guys started getting girlfriends. At least I, I and I can't I can't tell you I can't I couldn't say specific people, but I just remember hearing it because I hear it in my head. Where even then, you know, when guys started getting girlfriends and whatnot, and I'm assuming they got this from their parents, but like. I remember guys saying, well, who wears the pants? And then I remember at that same moment, like, I, st- I started hearing it at homes, like, at friends' homes or here at home or, like, different things, like, oh, who wears the pants? Or, like, oh, they wear the pants or he wears the pants. Or, I don't know. That that was just a common – I've heard that before. I don't know, have you guys heard that before? Like, would you guys hear that around as far as who wears the pants? Yeah, sarcastically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Sarcastically, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard, like, um, like, a married couple or even, like – yeah, well, no, married couples. I never heard, like, at that age, hearing older people kind of openly, like, seriously debate who wears <laughs> the pants, yeah. you know? But, but yeah, I have, I, I did hear yeah, it. I, I think it's more of, like, a like a joking thing. Yeah. Like, not really, like, oh, well, who's really in charge there? Like, seriously. But it's, like, just at the moment, it's funny. Like, oh, wonder who wears the <laughs> pants there. Right. And that's how I totally mean it, because it's, like, man, like, I don't know. Like I said, when I because I hadn't I hadn't heard that phrase in forever. So when I read it, I was like, man, okay. So I don't know. It, it just it just stopped. It stopped me in my tracks. I feel like I hear that more when you see a couple and their way of working together works differently from how yours is. Mm. Maybe you know they I mean? maybe yeah, they I, agree. I've, I've sort of I've witnessed that. I have a friend who uh, like at you know events at functions and stuff. There have been occasions because he's he jokes a lot, right? And his girlfriend will kind of like tag along, like she'll play along sometimes. So there have been instances where we're at like functions and and she'll say something um, that I guess generally it, it it's a little more dominant, mm-hmm. and then and then we'll joke around and be like, "Whoa, bro! Like who wears the pants?" Basically, and uh, and then one time he he told me he just kind of whispered, not really whispered, but seriously told me he's like you know bro like it's okay like i don't care that she looks like she's the one that wears the pants you know in front of everybody as long as that you know in the relationship seriously like i'm the one in charge, the one in charge. and i was like that's interesting that is that, that you want to be you know you think you are or you are in charge in the relationship but you really don't care what anybody else sees or thinks mm-hmm. as long as you make the shots i guess yeah, the calls. Yeah. and even then like, Tying back to Gonzo real quick is like the fact that maybe they agree. Maybe they're maybe the guy is. I guess this is where we can like come to the general thing of like, okay, if 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 they're cool, if the guy's genuinely happy with where he's at, and he's fulfilled in the relationship, and they agree, and they go and they do whatever they want to do, then that's when it works. And they both wear the pants. And they, essentially, they both wear the pants. I and I think that I think that's where we're at too. Where, you know, Brian uh, Gonzo, you said right now, you know, men and women are equal in certain aspects, and maybe. I guess I guess the utopia of relationships would be where they both wear the pants and and also because what I what I then go and think about at least is like you know going out with your each individually going out with your friends separate you know separate outings and whatnot and being okay with that and coming back home at the end of the night you guys come back home because you guys know where you guys stand with your relationship being comfortable to do that so you having the confidence yeah. to to do that super interesting there's three sentences I want to read before we get into the next, or I guess I guess the three sentences that, that will segue into like the next piece. What is 
it exactly that intimidates men about successful women. Intimidation itself is the act of using fear to coerce another person into compliance. Timidity is the result of intimidation. And then we can assume that intimidation is not an appropriate response of men to successful women. Yeah, here they, they tied it in. I think, I'm, I, think I, I did miss it. I just skipped the part on purpose. But, you know, they, they talk about being timid in your decision making will then make you basically intimidated because you're not you're not you're then not making decisions you're not you're you're keeping you're restraining yourself from from going through the conversation um, so anyways back to the book still intimidation can happen two ways a woman can purposefully use her success to threaten or coerce a man into compliance or a man can wrongly respond to a woman's success and feel intimidated in the former instance the fault lies with the woman in the latter it lies with the man and while there are probably some women in the world who use their power or position to intimidate men, I'm going to suggest that they are in the vast minority. That leaves this conclusion. For the most part, men who are intimidated by successful women are acting out of their own, their own immaturity. They, not the successful women, are at fault. And I found that very intriguing because I, I hope it sparks you know, new perception and then trying to grow out of, okay, what do I really want out of a relationship, and so on. Because, again, me and Gonzo had a conversation last week. It's like, man, and like I said, half of it, I mean, I'm, I'm only giving theory because I'm not dealing with, with the situation. And one thing I told Eddie yesterday when we were having a conversation about uh, some music stuff was that it's one thing to say what we, will, what we would do in a situation. It's another thing, what are we actually going to do? And that's what I'm trying to get to, and, I, and I'm finding staples in the concept concept of moving with life and one of them is like what are we actually gonna do are we gonna say yes are we gonna say no and it's it's usually hard to say no because we're usually scared and that raises fear and we can go into that a whole nother day but the point is you know what are we actually gonna do you know are we gonna remain timid timid now just for the first part of like you know for a woman that uses her success as a tool to then overpower people, well, that's a whole different, I think, argument, and that's very unhealthy, and I wouldn't want to be a part of that. Like, I just cut that shit off. Um, that's just again, that's just me. You know, I, I have been in that type of relationship where it's like, you know, there's, there's uh, one pair of pants, and you know, all goes to one, and that's it. And it's like, one day I finally said, nope, that's it. I, I was done took me long I, at least in retrospect it took me long enough and me and brian have this, have this conversation gonzo knows who i'm talking about uh but it's interesting still maneuvering and realizing some of this stuff <laughs> uh as far as uh being intimidated uh, were you gonna say something what were you thinking no uh, it, was, <laughs> it was very immature of flashback <laughs> it's all good all right it's so like i know right and, it, it, and and to transition perfectly is my third point that I want to bring up in this part, segueing, is uh, extreme ownership concept of simple, not easy. You know, 100 push-ups is, e- is simple. Just do 100 push-ups. It's not easy. It's going to take you 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's that's my example because that's, that's the context I've used lately. You know, when I'm at the gym and I tell them to do 20 burpees and they're freaking out, and it's like, it's only 20 burpees. They're like, but you're in shape. I'm like, well, you want to get in shape. I'm like, I'm not here to provide 
<laughs> nothing is easy. Everything's just simple. And and some people grasp the concept, some people don't. And I, I did want to bring up, and I'm glad it kind of worked out. Like I said, we're going to transition here, but I'm glad the simple, not easy concept came out. Because, like again, next week I do plan on going into Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Dave Babin. Um, and how they use some war principles, leadership principles, and then tie them into business. Anyhow, back to the book. Assuming, now this is going forward, uh, this is a whole different little piece. It's in the same uh, part of what successful men mean to, what what, what success, successful women mean to men, but uh, it's a little farther along in the, in the section. Assuming Ms. Dean is not leveraging her success inappropriately in relationships with men, this would be an example of a man bearing the responsibility for his own intimidation. What legitimate reason could there be for being intimidated by a woman who has a career and owns her own house? Oh yeah, the context the context to this piece was this girl uh she she's a social worker, that's what it is. She's a social worker and she talks about oh cuz she she's African American. So she talks about like like I guess her like the people the men who are interested in her then become intimidated because she owns her own house, she's edu- she's well educated, you know, she has she's making her own living. And uh and so again, a lot of these little things are just like little things that clicked from the concept the uh, the conversation me and Gonzo had last week. Um uh, in our own little vault, <laughs> we talked about vault on the podcast. So for the listeners, know they know exactly what that means. And so when I read that part, like, what legitimate reason could there be for being intimidated by? Because again, the entire name Brian is the fact that, man, like, hell yeah, like you're doing good for yourself, like you know. Because what I do think about is like, what more? What could we build? Yeah. Like what? Like um, and one thing that me and Gonza talked about is like, what if I? What if I? What if I miss this chance? It's like, well, what if? What are you gonna lose if you don't de- detach from the su- certain situation? So what I think about with this is like her own career, her own home. It's like, damn, if she already has her own stuff, what what can we build? Like, if if, if the if the relationship is strong, and we have big aspirations, this is why for me I, I do want to tie in time real quick because I'm I'm gonna get into time a little more depth towards the end of the chapter, but. Um, one thing that I did think about was like time and where we're Gonzo said, you know, right now we're, we're still learning. We're still building. We're still trying to, uh, get to, I guess our next little milestone, our, our next little chapter in life. Um, so essentially we're building our personal successes right now. And, and I thought about, uh, the whole concept of building together. It's like that, that, that's a game changer. Because even one thing I talked about with Brian, uh, this is a while back, Brian, but uh, the concept of buying a million-dollar house and then splitting it between two families, mm. because the when you break up when you break it up into rooms and people paying individual rent, you're gonna pay it off easy, mm. versus like oh um, I own a million-dollar house, like yeah, but what's your mortgage, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and for how many years and like the, all the stuff that goes along with it, you know, it's like man, imagine living in a mansion, and even then like because I I go as far as like what can you build. Like, imagine living in a mansion with, like, some of your best friends and, like, people that you know and you trust. Like, I don't know. To me, that's, like, a community on its own. Like, that's just a self-made community. That, that, that I, at least I see potential. I don't, like, again, going through with it, I don't know. I don't know who would be down or not. But, but the concept is there, and I, I think it's pretty cool to ponder on. Anyways, back to the book. If men are being intimidated by women like this, they need to rip, repent of such feelings and the behaviors that accompany, accompany them. Instead of being intimidated, 
They need to rejoice in the success of another human being who is making her way in this world, realizing her potential and achieving good goals. Jealousy, pride, insecurity, embarrassment over one's own position or level of accomplishment. Envy, greed, resentment. These attitudes simply have no place in the heart of a man who wants to be a mature and have a profession profitable relationship with women. Whether the woman is a wife, the possible life partner one is dating, or a co-worker, all those relationships can be sabotaged by a man's self-induced perception that a woman is seeking to intimidate him into compliance or submission. That was a long piece, but it was it was effective. And I, w I wanted to make sure to read that. Cause like, man, like, it's... It's something that I, I know, I, at least I'm confident in, in reading out loud for us to, to have in our brains now, plant the seed and, and build on. It's easy to identify inappropriate intimidation based on pride, jealousy, and the like. And once acknowledged, sins and failings such as those can be dealt with. But there is one aspect of a man who, of how a man looks at a successful woman that is not nearly so easy to explain diagnose or correct it is part of the murkiness of our existence the place where who we were created to be meets the realities of the world we live in which is what i said you know what what do we say we would do in a situation versus what are we doing what are we doing every single day and not i mean not every day is perfect and I, i've mentioned this even i whether it's i talked about, per, about my personal like trek of like reading and then you know falling on and off of decent eating and then running and exercising appropriately um that's just to give my personal thing but you know what are we saying we want to do what we would do versus you know what's what are we actually doing you know and even then we can go into consistency and a whole bunch of things but i don't want to do that today next uh cool thing about here is that he brings up john eldridge which is uh he, john eldridge writes a book titled wild at heart which i've read and I've mentioned in and out of this uh, podcast. Um, it's a very great book. And it's funny because what I would argue is like whether you're religious or not, it's a great insight to man and why we act the way we do and why we interact with women the way we interact. Um, it was definitely a stepping stone. Actually, Eddie Eddie the one who recommended and bought me the book. And I read it immediately as soon as we got back from Nashville. And it definitely enhanced my perspective on uh, – it enhanced my perspective because of the clarity it gave. I think that's what I want to say. Um, you know, it, it talked, like I said, it, again, it talks about wanting to go on an adventure and all these other different aspects that, that sometimes we don't know why. Or like Gonzo's, one of Gonzo's favorite words is he says weird. I'm like, what do you mean by weird? Like define weird for me because weird in a personal relationship is weird from being on stage. You know, different things. So I, I like, that's just one little bit. Anyways, uh, he he takes an excerpt from the from the book Wild at Heart, basically mentions where John and his wife Stacy were going. Uh, they had I guess they had gone to dinner together, and then they're on their way to their son's game. From there, uh, they ran into a tra traffic jam. So then this is where Stacy's like, Stacy says, "If you take a right here and go up to First Street, we can cut over and take about five minutes off the drive." And this is back to the book. I was ready to divorce her. I'm serious. In about <laughs> 20 seconds, I was ready for separation. If the judge had 
been in the car, I'd sign the papers right there. Good grief. Over a comment about my driving, is that all that was going on in that moment? I sat at the, at the wheel silent and steaming. On the outside, it looked cool. Inside, here, what was, here's, here is what was happening. Jeez, doesn't she think I know how to get there? I hate it when she does that. Then another voice says, she always does that. And I say, internally, the whole dialogue took place eternally in the blink of an eye. Yeah, she does. She's, she's always saying stuff like that. I hate that about her. A feeling of accusation and anger and self-righteousness sweeps over me. Then the voice says, John, this is never going to change. And I say, this is never going to change. And this is never going to change. And the voice says, you know, John, there are a lot of women out there who would be deeply grateful to have you as their man. And I think, yeah, there are a lot of women out there. You get the picture. Change the characters and the setting and the very same thing has happened to you. Pause. Guilty. <laughs> It, it and and that, that that and one day I'll get into the John Eldridge book, and it's probably gonna be in bits and pieces the way I, the way I kind of this is kind of the way I work as far as, uh, really trying really trying not that I do it the best every single time but really trying to dissect a chapter, uh, versus a whole book. You know, Jocko does like books, Joe Rogan does three hour conversations. You know, a piece of the way I work is taking a taking a book taking a chapter from a book or taking a five minute video and talking about it for an hour you know taking a six minute video you know this past couple weeks with brian and even with eddie you know 20 minute videos six minute videos and you know talk about it for an hour and really dissect and try to see how things align with our lives but uh but yeah in reading that it's like you know that's part of ego as well though you know you're in what you hey honey don't you think we should take first reading we'll see about five minutes Woman, don't you know? Don't you think you know, you know what I'm doing? <laughs> and for me, it's like I think of like an old man, because <laughs> that's just what I hear. I hear like a television commercial, like the old man, like ah, oh, woman, whatever. And, but you know, Gonda said he's guilty, so it's it's yeah. it's a current event too. <laughs> very very current. <laughs> uh, to, here, back to the book. To be fair to Eldridge, he is not talking about intimidation in this pas pa uh, passage. He is talking about how the enemy of a man, the devil, can stir a man up a man's soul in an instant and cause him to blame someone else for his own rage. And then he, and then he, this is where he goes into. Uh, I'll just, just brief context as far as this part of the book. Uh, you know, because it's his wife. Because and more, it's it's more of an instinct of man and man and woman. Of like, if it were his, like, let's, okay, let's just say me and Gonzo in the car. Hey, dude, let's take it, let's take it right up here. We'll, we'll we'll get there real quick. And Gonzo, more than likely, more than times or not, he would say, okay, yeah, badass man, we'll do that. Thanks, you know, thank you, whatever. Versus like a female saying, hey, we should take the first, we take, we should take first street and we'll get there five minutes faster. No, 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 no. <laughs> probably, probably just rebut, rebuttal and, you know, be like, nope, not going to happen. Not today, woman. <laughs> and I like that in a very joking manner. I, I kid, I kid, I kid. I think it's the funniest thing when people argue over some stuff. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I'm not. Uh, no. I can't. I can't even right now. Oh, good. My my argument would be, who's the one always driving? That's fair. Like, <laughs> what, what do you know about taking streets? <laughs> and it, well, I guess especially now you do have a, more of an argument because you're in an ambulance all day, so you're you're navigating. You're trying to move through every single day, six days a week. I have this old man who uh, he accompanies his wife to dialysis. Okay. <clears throat> And you have to drive a certain way. You have to. He's a backseat driver. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it, it goes back to the whole, like, straight Hispanic type thing. Like, like he wants to feel like he's the boss. You know, so we have to get in a certain lane for him. We have to take <laughs> really, yeah, dude. That's interesting. Well, I mean, he's obviously and he's obviously super he's impatient too. Like we'll pull into the dialysis place, and right <laughs> as soon as you turn, as soon as the front tires turn into the stupid parking lot, he's already have his hand on his door, puts his hat on, and he's ready to go. And I kind of super old school, man. I kind of just want to like put the truck in park and be like, okay, walk. <laughs> You're ready to get out. Just go ahead. <laughs> Super crazy. Uh, that just makes me laugh. <laughs> and that's just that's just different generations. That's just the old, another way of doing things. But but nothing that to to be to be in the middle is the fact that because he, because this situation with his wife is out of his control. That's another thing. His his backstory, mm-hmm. like this. Without giving too much information, yeah. this guy's um, this guy started him. It started with him picking, let's say, fruit. He saw that there was trucks taking the fruit, so he worked, bought a truck. You know, started like started shipping fruit, and then that just grew into like twenty trucks. Wow! And then he worked all this, like blah blah blah, get all this success. Yeah. His wife's uh, health went down. Period, yeah. And now the kids are trying to get all this, like, all the benefits and all the money and all the property that he's accumulated over, like, this dude's, like, 80-something, almost 90. Dang. Still company his wife. Yeah. That too. So, some dude. Yeah. Doctors. And that, like, Incredible. my partner had talked to him about it, and my partner told me about it, and then now I don't see him as so much of a jerk. Yeah, it's just like oh, it's it's in the moment type little yeah. gesture like where because he's still he's still very stern. But yeah, man, that that's I mean that's insightful. I mean even for listeners here is like you know, and this goes this is a general principle of of what we've been told. I feel is like you never know what the other person's going exactly. through. Like you don't know, and like like the first initial the initial reaction is like man, this old man like chill out, dude. But then the second reaction is like man, what's his, you know? Imagine feeling out of control. Now for people who I, I don't know, I just feel like. Too many people are outside their world because their bubble is so like strong, mm-hmm. like they're the, the it's the film is so thick that they don't realize. But it, and people often I think because of because of fear and that's why that's why a lot of people are scared of death. Um, but it, it goes one and the same is like when you put into your own uh, situation, like I said earlier in the book, you know, change the characters, change the setting, and it's it's some it's something that's happened to you. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's the same freaking thing, and. That's what amazes me when I go out and walk out in public and society and versus, you know, like yesterday morning, yesterday was Sunday and I went out super early and I got some good shots and like no one, you know, obviously no one's out there. And it's like, it's a totally different mood from when you're out in the streets and, and I, when I, whenever I'm driving, I don't know how you guys react when you guys are on the, on the, in your car, not, not necessarily an ambulance, but in cars and like, I'll get cut off everyone, not often, but I'll get cut off or something happened. I'm like, man, na- before I'm like, man, fucking asshole or whatever, whatever, right? Initial reaction, natural ego. Now it's like, man, I wonder what they're going through. And not in a nice way either, but I do think that. <laughs> I'm like, man, what the fuck are they going through that they're cutting me off? You know, <laughs> it's more of that to that tone. Uh, but it does make me think. Interesting story on that guy, though. You know, working all your life to... And that, that goes with just balance, you know. And, and I've talked about this about uh, Mr. Freeland, who I did the interview with back when I was in college. 
And my, my closing question was, how do you balance life with work? And it's like, you know, work is the jealous mistress. You know, and uh, I don't think, Gonzo, I don't think you've ever heard me say that. But uh, I've, it's never left my brain because in that moment, I was like, oh, my God, this, this interview is done. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I, could, I, there's nothing, I couldn't go anywhere from that. And that was before even the idea of, po- I didn't even know what podcasting was. I was just doing a freaking college project. You know, I was doing an interview and, you know, it was nerve-wracking enough to ask somebody if I could interview them. And I'm like, sir, I, I'll only need an hour of your time come noon where it's been four hours. You know, like, it's total different, you know, a total different perception. And like, now I wish I would recorded that just because I would have that in my, you know, I would just had it with me. But yeah. But there were moments, again, still that, you know, it's like he calls work the jealous mistress. So it goes totally hand in hand with mm-hmm. what you're saying, Gonzo, with the guy, this guy that, you know, he, he built up his business, he built up his career, and then, like, his personal life just kind of fell through the cracks a little here and there, you know, until. But even then, I mean, 80, let's say he's 80. Let's say he's 80. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a long life. Yeah. You know, that's, a, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. Very cool. All right, let's keep going. I did not mean to go that way. <laughs> it's all, no, it's all good. No, no, we're we're good. No, no, that, and but that's that's the point. And this this is again, regardless of if it's only thirteen people per episode that listen to the, or listen to his, uh, you know, thirteen till we build to more. Like for those people who listen initially, it's like you know, at least listening to this and going out and thinking just a tad differently. You know, I'm not, I'm not looking for again. Th- this goes back to many episodes ago of one percent a day. And even if you can't do that, you know, something, you know, if, if, if Thursday you listen to this and you come out Thursday morning, because I've been trying to be as consistent as possible. I have missed a couple of weeks because I fell behind because of being out of town. So I missed, like, I was supposed on Friday instead of Thursday. I did that for, like, two weeks in a row uh, very intentionally, but that's the way things happen. Anyhow, you know, trying to be as consistent as I can. But still, going out after you listen to this podcast, the episode, you know, it, and now that we're down to, and I mean, this one's going to go a little bit long. I know mean, it was planned to, uh, but for the other episodes, you know, 45 minutes, an hour that we give you, you know, as much as we can to hopefully go out, take one thing and remember, oh yeah, like, you know, I can, I can use that or this or whatever. In today's case, you know, this guy who's has a great success story career wise, but you know, trying to find that again, work life balance, which doesn't exist, but you can work on it. Here's a good one, because earlier in the book, and I'll, I'll probably touch on this another day when we get back to, like, uh, as far as connection and personal, uh, interpersonal communication. But earlier in the book, uh, there's a mention of as far as, like, women speak in different languages than men. And to give a general conce- context in, like, one sentence or less, men want respect, women want love, period. So because of that we then speak in different languages because we're, we're seeking different things. So back to the book here. When a man hears another man say it, this, this is talking about as far as like getting directions, right? He hears it in a totally different language than when a woman says it. Translation. When a man encounters a woman who seems to know the way all by herself, quote, uh, parentheses, is successful, it literally can scare him, parentheses, intimidate him. It can tempt him to pull back and say, whoa, who or what is this? Uh-huh. When is the presence of a woman who already knows the way in life, parentheses, is, is, is successful, a man can be tempted to feel like he has no place there, like he's simply not needed. There's another aspect of men and women that comes into play here. <coughs> Excuse me. And it's a point that I do also take from Wild at Heart. 
Eldritch says that besides needing a battle to fight and a, an ad adventure to live, every man needs a beauty to rescue. As hard as it may be for women to understand, men are hardwired to be rescuers of damsels in distress. In this day of women's independence, it's not PC for women to say they'd like to be swept off their feet by a man. And probably not all women feel that way, but many do. It's how they're hardwired. So when a man meets, lives, or works with a woman who doesn't seem to need his strength, protection, or provision, i.e. success, he can be tempted to feel as useless as in the former example, intimidated. He looks at this woman like she's Wonder Woman, a woman who definitely doesn't need a man. Moving forward now. Where do these feelings come from? Man was created to live in a perfect world, to know the way through life and provide strength for the woman that was his co-partner in life. Reciprocally, there would be things that things the women woman would do for him that she was created to do. Together, they would complement one another. They would both be successful without a trace of intimidation. But we don't live in a perfect world. We have men and women walking through life with no attachment whatever to the ideal. And yet, they still feel har those hardwired preferences and inclinations. The challenge, therefore, is to learn to manage themselves appropriately in an imperfect world. Eldridge, after telling the story above, went on to say that his response was inappropriate. Nor would the response of any man be appropriate in the presence of a woman who already knows the way she is going and doesn't need a man to quote-unquote rescue her. It becomes a man's responsibility to guard these feelings and not allow them to completely disrupt appropriate relationships. I had something here about time. I was, I'm trying to think. Of, as I was reading, I was like, oh, I need to talk about something connected to the time. Oh, one thing, because when I read that part, as far as uh, we don't live in a perfect world, and, you know, because I tie, of course, back to time, and uh, I think I told, told you, I think it was yesterday, Gonzo, that I told you, uh, you know, finding a, a good human being, but it being the wrong time. And me and Brian have talked about that many times, like just yeah. off the wall, before the podcast, during the podcast, off the mic, on the it's mic. Life. Yeah, just the way things pan out is like, you know, sometimes it's the right person at the wrong time. And it and it's 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 uh, my first initial thought is that it's shitty. But that's where the patient com patience comes in. And then honestly, like what I would tell into now cuz like I said I've been trying to hone in on my photography skills. I even got like one client like coming up like like oh, not like event like not even trying there for well they're from the gym, but still yeah. we were talking about it and, uh, and and then uh they asked for like some samples and I showed them like oh yeah like I I want I want you know want to see what you can do anyways uh but using the time that the right person's not gonna give or or the time that we can't give the right person then then they can't they can't give to us either to then hone in on maybe a hobby and I for me my argument is Gonzo going fishing you know yesterday you told me you went fishing or I I texted you last yesterday afternoon we were talking just briefly and I and I said on purpose I said I'm glad you went fishing. Cause it would be, it would be crappy to be at home sulking on something that that's like okay, it's totally different. You know, it's just not the right time. Yeah. So as opposed to, cause the initial thing that I used to do also was like sulk. I'd just be at home and just wait and sit on my thumb and just wait. And you went, you went fishing and I went to go take some pictures and I had 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 a great day with my family. We went to the outlets and whatnot. So it's like you know that that was one thing that I know. 
because I connected with Brian already in the past, it's something I could tell you. It's like maybe maybe just the right person, wrong time. And we'll, and we'll see what happens. Like, frankly, to be to to bring up a separate point is like, I now wonder with the relationships that I have been building with with it at the gym, on social media, people that follow me now on social media from the gym, like what those relationships will turn into. Because there's no telling right now. Like we're we're too in to our own thing that only time will tell where we're where we're actually gonna end up. Yeah. You know, and and I think the only thing we can keep persistent on is your goal. You're saying at 28, you want to ha- be that person that you want to be like the person that you're looking up to now. You know, we all have, I, as long as we can continue on that, not leave the personal aspect alone, but, you know, hone in on what we can do and maneuver with, you know, and, and through all that, you'll then, the time will be right and it, everything will fall in. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I was thinking like, like the whole timing thing, like I've had three different opportunities well, really, there's four, but three opportunities three solid pre- ones. presented okay. themselves. Okay. And my brother, well, there was two originally, and then my brother presented b- me with one yesterday, and he told me, like, hey, so-and-so wants to do this, this, and this. And all of them will give me experience. It'll, you know, do whatever, it, like, will get me to the next mm-hmm. level. Closer to where, by the time I'm 28, I can be teaching somebody. Something. Right. There you go. Yeah. and, and that, that, so that's it, t- Timing is just weird. Yeah. You know? Me getting this job, the timing was weird. Yeah. See, you yeah. Go, there you go with your weird again. Weird, weird, weird. Weird. <laughs> I just, I'm just. If you could kidding. replace, <laughs> if you could replace weird with any other word, what would it be? For Su- this. Surprising. Okay. So when I, when I say something's weird, I don't mean like. Uh, weird. I, I I I know like, you don't. I know. I, I, know guess, you I don't. guess um, weird is. Uh, I didn't expect it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Weird is um. Surprising, you didn't expect it. Yeah. One more. Like, um, three's a charm. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, it's. <laughs> I guess I'd be repeating myself, but like it came out of nowhere. Like, didn't plan for it. I don't. There you go. Yeah. I'm, no, these are all synonyms. That, that's the point. But that's like that. I mean, it's <laughs> a thesaurus. But I mean, they're all synonyms. Are perfect, but it just. It's just funny because, like I said, I, I know what you mean, but, again, you know, what's the definition of weird in this context? You know, yeah. this this is this weird, again, is different from the weird we talked about earlier uh-huh. versus the weird we talk about on stage versus the weird, you know. Yeah. So I know that. I just want on the conversation we can expand on it. Yeah. So yeah. that's all I'm trying to get to. It's not, it's not, no, no harm, no harm, no harm. I thought you were attacking me, bro. No, 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 no harm. No harm. Brian's my, favorite. My, no my eggshell ego. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, uh, Brian's favorite, no harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. <laughs> it's all good. No, okay, so let's let's wrap it up here. We're getting close to an hour and a half. Uh, this continuing on that next paragraph. Uh, if we have been negative, critical, withdrawn, judgmental, self-pitying, angry, or anything less than supportive and appreciative when in the presence of a successful woman, we need to completely change our attitude. And then moving on. At the same time, we must recognize and ce- celebrate our own instincts to lead and protect a woman in the appropriate setting, which includes submitting to her leadership and protection when offered and needed. It is for such reasons. Oh, this, this ties in uh, a Bible reading, but it is for such reasons that Apostle Paul exhorts Christians, especially husbands and wives, to submit to one another in the reverence for Christ. Now, to just be to 
have a macro religious point. It, it says it everywhere. You know, that, that's in, that's in the the Quran. That's in the Bible. That's mm-hmm. in all of them. Um, I just feel like when when bringing up Christians or or Catholicism or different things, people are like, oh no, not me. Or they're just so hard. They're just so harsh. But then they bring up Buddhism. I'm like, compare this to you. <laughs> like, you know, like, that's my thing. And 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 Jordan Peterson actually does a really good job about like saying Buddha, bu- the way I think he's comparing them is like different times of living are proper or appropriate for certain readings because of the way they're said. So the Bible said a certain way. Gen okay, in general, like let, let's just say the I don't know what what's the Buddhism like book? I don't know. So whatever whatever the book is for, for Buddhists, go ahead. Uh um is the same in general as Christianity, as the Bible. Mm-hmm. But there's still enough differences, I I think, based on Jordan Peterson's take, that like he's saying like right now Buddhism is like kind of like the way to go. And I, I th- at least that's the way I'm taking it. That that that's just to tie in like the religious aspect because I don't want people to feel like oh no he's Christian I can't listen to him. It's like but well I'm only bringing it up in the context of the book. But this is I'm I think we're I think we're consistent as a conversation on this podcast to say we're all open to all ears and, you know, trying to navigate through the macro life, not like, Oh, you know, judging anybody by their beliefs or, or how they go about their, their weeks. Did you get it, Gonzo? Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, (laughs) but there's a thing that says the, the, I guess Pali Canon, which means the word of Buddha Okay. And, uh, so it might just be like a bunch of like proverbs or something. Yeah. Like well, I. I don't know. L- look at that. Interesting. Trip, tripitaka, tripitaka. Now, for people listening, you guys can get back to us on this and correct me. Like it's good. I, I'm not opposed to be corrected. Excuse me. Unless it's by a successful woman. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> It's like no, like I, absolutely, <laughs> whatever it takes. Uh, <laughs> but well, yeah, so so anyway, so I guess like just again, the point is like the way Jordan Peterson ties in. I don't want you know, people like oh my god, you know, you brought up Christianity. It's like well, that's just that's just what happened to be in the book. If it, was, if it said Buddhism, you know, cool. Anyways, final piece of the chapter. We're again, I said this like five minutes ago, but we're about done. <laughs> right. Uh, it's rare when a man can fully explain why he feels what he feels in the presence of a woman, regardless of whether she is strong or weak, successful or not. Men often know what they feel even when they don't exactly know why. But together, couples can provide safe harbor for one another as they listen to things that a spouse needs unconditional acceptance and an ironclad commitment to privacy to share. So both, to, for privacy and then to share. Husbands and wives can explore together the mysteries of their innate desires and tendencies. Along the way, they may rise and fall like the peaks and valleys in a mountain range as they interpret their quote-unquote innateness, unlike any other couple. And they will need to quote-unquote take by faith without judgment the explanations of each other's feelings on matters that are so sensitive and deep. But therein lies the mystery of the union, diverse yet unified, different in gender, the same in humanity, weak in failure, strong in confession, 
more confident and competent together than apart. Interesting about the next chapter, chapter 20, titled, Did I Marry the Wrong Woman? Which we're not going to get into that, not even next week, but if you want to find out, you can read the book. We're not married. None of us are married. And that's another thing. That act, I mean, to be fair, I, and I was going to be mer- be sure to mention this as far as it says, you know, man and wife, you know, I think we can use it to then ponder on and let it sink in. Because I feel like it's a good, at least a good little guidance piece that we can use for our futures. Because we're nowhere, I mean, we're not anywhere near there for now, you know, at least from what I can see. From, or for my, I speak for myself. I have a confession. <laughs> Sorry. Are invited to a wedding? <laughs> Do we get like we're invited, or we can, or you're gonna hire us to play? You're invited, and you're gonna play. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? what? <laughs> Who's what? No, I'm kidding. Oh God! <laughs> you know another crazy thing to throw in? Yeah. Is like not like if I've married the wrong person. Mm-hmm. What if you're dating somebody that you know isn't gonna work out? Yeah. And that's where, I mean, it, given given I- any extra details in general, that's where I say, you know, if you're scared about letting that person go, imagine all the time you're going to lose for not letting that person go. Damn it. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, yeah. Are you Walker in the podcast? Oh, dude. Dude, I've had this conversation. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's funny because I, I even had this conversation when we, we did the radio thing in Houston. Because they said, because the thing is, we, we, we. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we, <laughs> especially here because it's too Andy. So Gomez Gana is like Gonzo and Walker, like it works out perfectly. But even at the radio interview, because all I said was like, because I think Eddie said something. It's kind of your reaction was like, ah, Walker uh, Andy, uh, 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 and I said it's Walker because it's become a nickname. Because it's become a nickname, it's a lot easier. Yeah, and even right now, like for you, it's habit. So that's why it's like, yeah, like well, Walker. The other day, I was like sitting in a circle with people, and I was like. Oh, yeah, the other day, blah, 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 with Walker. And I stopped. I was like, wait, do they know him as Walker? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Walker. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the circle you're talking about, they don't know, like, my real life. Unless I listen to the podcast. Oh, okay, okay. Cool. Well, then, totally perfect. Yeah, it worked out fine. I almost, yeah. I almost gave away your secret <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> I know who Batman is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny how it worked, man. Like, and I, I, I used to, I had put this on my social media at one point. You know, you, you can't anticipate every single thing. And my biggest unanticipation is the fact of creating the podcast and wanting to be as truthful and factual and and very minimally opinionated um so like the whole walker and my last name Acosta, like it, it's all good you know I, I you know it's all good anyhow uh Call me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that but that wraps up that wraps up the the chapter again that was one chapter it took us an hour and a half to get through that one chapter but Again, I felt really relevant in the conversations that I've already had with Gonzo last week and then even yesterday and then Brian over the past, you know, let's say three, even three years that we've been just having conversation. Good. I would say good conversation in the past. Dude, imagine if we started this three years ago. That's been totally fucking crazy. That would have been some interesting conversations because yeah. of the stuff that yeah. we've been through We're experiencing, in the last three years. Yeah. Cause, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't say the stuff we've been through, like, oh, we've been... Like a ton of shit. No, no, or, 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 or that it's mean? even been, like, bad, or, oh, you know, yeah, that yeah, we've no, been... Just no, in it's general. Just, yeah, the things we've experienced. Because we were definitely already, like, on a... A certain... A, I would say a distinguished learning curve. We were onto something. Yeah, there was something there which then led to, like, okay, 
podcast. And frankly, again, I've already, I've already, I've, I've already, and I've always mentioned like Denver getting in, getting us into podcasts. Had it not been for him to to say, oh yeah, Joe Rogan's cool or whatever. Yeah. And and I, I'll never, I don't remember what night, but it was after practice that when you were at the old house, Gonzo, and we had just left there, and he had just told me about some guy on Joe on Joe Rogan. He's like, dude, you you would love the, this podcast. And I'm like, and I, so I text him later that night. I'm like, dude, what's what's the guy's name? The Navy Seal. And he's like, oh, Jocko Willink. And that night changed all of my 2016 into where we're at now, which is totally, totally bonkers. That's already like a while back. That's weird. Hey, dude, it, that's because of these connections and, and we can get, I guess, kind of like psychological a little bit. But because of these connections that I'm seeing, because of that alone, like just because of my experience with Jocko Willink, one freaking podcast that changed my entire year leading into going into 2016 and then now starting our own podcast, like this is 42 weeks in a row of podcasting like it's 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 very it's a good not not what cloudy muggy that's not the right words um like the fact that i don't know where we're gonna end up i like but the fact that we've done 42 weeks in a row i like like i'm more happy to we're 10 weeks away from a year of doing this podcast exactly what i was thinking we're 10 weeks away and that, to me, that's more exciting than like, okay, what's moving with life really going to turn into? You know, I don't know. You know, it's cool how you think you hear 42 weeks and then instead of thinking, oh, this is a long period of time, you think, oh, well, that's this far Ten from till. being like uh, the next whole number. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's it's interesting. It's I like that. Look at you. Instead of using weird, <laughs> using interesting. I had to pause for a second. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, it, it really hurt me to not say <laughs> weird. Well, we can wrap it up. We c- we're going to talk more off the mic. I feel a good. Maybe maybe we'll, we'll even do a second segment here for a little bit. Cause I, feel like, I feel like we can still com- converse. But for the sake of the episode, uh, we're going to stop here. Uh, Brian, if you want to give your social medias. And then Gonzo, are you going to want to? What's my... What's my Instagram thing now. Gonzo on drums? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, let's start with Gonzo. So it's Gonzo on drums. Ins- well, Instagram's you your primary. Instagram's well, I mean, your primary, right? I, I use a little bit of everything. I don't use Twitter anymore. Yeah, same. I delete but Twitter. Instagram is Gonzo on drums, just how it sounds. And, uh... What's the Instagram? Yeah, but, but that's Instagram probably, your main probably the main thing. Yeah. Facebook's all family and friends yeah, and all, stuff. So. Yeah, Instagram, bad. Gonzo on drums, all one word. I don't think it's case sensitive. But no, it'll, it'll pop up either way. Just in case. In case, yeah. Lower case. <laughs> it's all lower case. Brian. <laughs> Go ahead and uh, look me up on uh, Instagram, yeah. We'll do that. So you're gonna push the, the intro not? Yeah, the intro not. I haven't. I have a confession. I haven't been very active on it lately. Just uh, I don't know. Just kind of work and and other interests have taken my time. Um, I think the last two weeks probably. But uh, I'll be active again soon. So just uh, go ahead, look me up. The intro not underscore. Also, still pushing Fiverr. I had a couple messages, but no, no bites. So, yeah, look me up on Fiverr dot com, f i v e r r dot com. Um, Brian Alejandro, B r y a n a l e j a n d r o. 
Right on. So for Moving With Life, there's now a website. Movingwithlife.co because .com was taken. But I, feel, I still wanted CO because it usually means company. But the way I want to transition company means like the company of people. So, I, so, I, so I mean it movingwithlife.co company and people company of people being in company of each other um i feel very strongly intuitively of of face-to-face connections and actually me and gonzo had this conversation just before we started recording before brian got here but how it's different texting versus face-to-face so with that again everything's on movingwithlife.co everything's up there and uh we're gonna close out now with again meditations book three by marcus aurelius I want to read the whole thing, but <laughs> it's really long, so I'm just going to read one paragraph from book three. Do not waste the remaining part of your life in thoughts about other people when you are not thinking with reference to some aspect of the common good. Why deprive yourself of the time for some other task? I mean, thinking about what so-and-so is doing and why, what he is saying or contemplating or plotting, and all that line of thought, makes you stray from the close watch on your own directing mind.